Hey, Football Fact Check is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app, Dave Damashek included, and discovered the fastest and easiest way to get into the game. I have used it, like I say, here in Southern California, football, hockey, baseball. That's right. I actually went to a baseball game in the last decade. I know. I'm in the minority on that one. And also NBA, otherwise, whatever you want, even music and theater tickets. So head to the App Store, Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. This is Football Fact Check. Who are the MVPs in each DIV here on FFS with Dave Damashek? I'm not sure what all those letters just meant there from our pal Cam, but either way, hi and hello and uh, welcome to Football Fact Check. I hope week eight of pro football action treated you well. I suspect about half of you answer in the affirmative to that. Thanks for listening. Make sure you spread the good word. This, of course, our free episode of the week and uh, the one coming up. On Wednesday, we'll forecast all the games upcoming in Week 9 for you. That's for subscribers only. So why don't you use this opportunity and subscribe ASA and P. And let's say hello very quickly to everybody. We're a day delayed. Why with this week's podcast are we a day delayed? Because we wanted to honor the trade deadline. Oh, and also because uh, the 405 South was closed because, as you've heard, we're experiencing wild, crazy fires out here. And literally, I could not make it down the roadway to get here. But it sets up nicely because the trade deadline just ended and no real big trades. Aqib Tlaib moved to Miami. I don't know why he was being punished in that manner. But uh, quickly, let's say hello to everybody in the room with us. First of all, Gabe, thanks for the tip on making me switch off the Jags and to the Jets last week in our confidence pool. Yeah, I've been feeling bad since then. Uh, mm. It's been a weird day for Jets fans also. You mentioned the trade deadline. We got to 4 o'clock Eastern, and the two best players on the team were not dealt. And are you happy? I mean, I am conflicted, as I have been each week for several now. I don't know what to root for any longer, but I'm sorry that I steered you wrong. I think they should have traded Levy and Bell. I think this is the year. We said that before the season started. I think Levy and Bell is going to be diminishing returns for them. The 2019 season is the best 26 you're going to get going forward. I think if I were a contender, I would have gone out and tried to get him and probably a lower price to be paid. Well, in fact, definitely a much lighter load to be paid if you wanted Melvin Gordon. Neither guy moved. I think that was a mistake. I think some teams really missed an opportunity to get into the postseason by not making some trades here. Um, but uh, to the to the matter at hand, Shame on you for making me switch to the Jets. I don't understand. Jamal, why they would have considered trading away Jamal Adams. I, this thing of purging high-end talent on the assumption that you're definitely going to get it back in the draft. It's robbing Peter to pay Paul, maybe. You, you, you're robbing Peter for sure, but you might not pay anybody. It, it, it truly makes no sense to me, and only the nerdiest of us who understand salary cap stuff can like make a cogent argument for this, but... The best you're going to do with a first-round pick is a guy like Jamal Adams. Right. So what are you hoping for? 
you are, I don't want to be overly cynical, but, and you know, Joe Douglas there now, he's not on his way out the door, but I suspect that Adam Gase, if he has any say in this at this point, I don't know that he does. I do think he's setting up to be one and done, but if he does, it always just kicks the can forward by a year. It allows you to kick it ahead to free agency in the draft next year to say, <clears throat> we're in rebuild mode. See, yeah, we, we don't have the high, yeah, because you just gave it away. Much like what the Dolphins have done, and by the way, as far as that goes, this nonsense as soon as anybody gets moved around Andy Dalton uh, demoted to backup, immediately people start hitting me up on social media. Hey, the Steelers should go get him based on the way Mason Rudolph. I don't understand the struggle of understanding. Ben Roethlisberger is coming back next year, and as far as that goes, they this team will win six to eight games, maybe nine, and they're not going to be a top ten pick. Ergo, getting the known entity that was Mika Fitzpatrick remains the smart move. It's foolish, this this nonsense, <clears throat> that uh, the Steelers wasted an opportunity to draft Ben Roethlisberger's replacement. First of all, that day isn't coming for at least 18 to 24 months, and, and that's at worst. And also, you don't know what that, what that draft pick would have been versus a high-end talent, as I say, two more turnovers on Monday Night Football. Anyway, Zuri, how are you? Hey, doing well, man. <clears throat> My Rams at your Steelers in two weeks. we got to put a, a wager on that. We'll, we'll, we'll do something with that one. The big one upcoming is uh, the Colts visiting Pittsburgh. That actually has wild card implications in the top-heavy AFC right now. There are a couple of teams. And as far as that goes, I, I do think that – the team, there there are several teams out there that could have obviously enhanced their Super Bowl dreams today and failed to do so. And I think the Houston Texans specifically are now, this is, this is going to sound hyperbolic, <clears throat> I mean it, I think they've cost themselves a playoff spot now. I don't know if you happened to catch Monday Night Football with Booger McFarlane, but he was cavalier a few times through saying that Deshaun Watson is enough to carry the day. Yeah, J.J.'s a loss, but Deshaun Watson, the way he's playing, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. Your defense is not very good in Houston, and now you've removed, I know, iconic remove the name brand J.J. Watt and everything, but he also happens to be your best defensive player in Houston. You now pluck him out of that. You're now required to shoot it out the rest of the way if you're the Texans. They have a very poor secondary. Now you remove their best piece in the front seven. And, you know, a shaky offensive line, better um, though it's been. And uh, so I think that's going to cost them a playoff spot. I think that the team that still is going to make the playoffs, though, and my confidence in that Texans prediction not making the playoffs, we did have them in the postseason when the season started, but obviously we're, we're fluid enough that we'll change things when, um, when big names go down like that. I think they should have gotten Melvin Gordon. I think they also should have chased Chris Harris to try and address the secondary, or Derek Wolf, both av- uh, uh, reportedly available. I wonder if they just didn't have the assets, specifically high draft picks, to go and get one of those difference-making defenders Defensive players. I think the Philadelphia Eagles, though, as we said last week at this time, they needed to beat Buffalo. So they have now four and four. Look at their schedule the rest of the way. I suspect they go about six and two. They have to play the Patriots. They still have another one with the with the Cowboys. It's not a breeze the rest of the way, but I do think that six and two is a realistic goal for them. Ten and six, that might be enough to even take the NFC East. My confidence in the Eagles, even though they're just five hundred right now and looking up at teams in uh, in those top six seeds, 
is an eight that they're going to wind up with a playoff spot. I think that the Vikings are going to regress in part because I think that they will lose to the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend, which brings me to Patrick Mahomes would be MVP candidate. Uh, although I think he's basically been relegated to an afterthought in the MVP chase here because of the injury. I think, though, that you got, if he's 80, 90%, you better play him, Andy Reid. I understand that the long term of Patrick Mahomes is more important than the next couple of weeks, and I'm not just talking about the rest of this season. But if the premise is to make a Super Bowl run this season, then you need Mahomes to win this game, and you need to do it now. Because if you get seduced, as Andy Reid or anyone else, by the idea of looking at the standings in the AFC West right now and saying, the Raiders are the team. Maybe the Chargers are going to make their perennial second-half push. By the way, they will make their perennial second-half push. But it's the Raiders and it's the Chargers. It looks like, all right, well, they, well it's not that bad. They're going, to get, they're going to win the division, and that's fine, and that's good enough. Do not fall prey to that, Chiefs fan, because... I know that if you're old enough to remember when it was a six-seed structure in the playoffs, that it used to be that wild cards would slip through and get to the Super Bowl with some regularity, and three and four seeds would do the same. No longer true. Go back through the last decade. One and two seeds almost always get to the Super Bowl, an outsized percentage of them. That makes sense statistically, mathematically, but... It wasn't happening for a long time. And for somebody like me, who's a meritocracist, is that right? I believe in meritocracy. We know what it meant, whether it's a word or not. I buy it. I like those who earn it over the course of 16 games to have it to have a breezier path to the Super Bowl. The Patriots are all but a lock, even if they lose to the Ravens this weekend. The Ravens have two losses now. They are going to lose at least two more games the rest of the way. The Patriots are going to be the number one seed. The Chiefs are still looking at that number two seed. They need the Patriots or they would do well to see the Patriots defeat the Ravens and them win and claim at least close, uh, at least uh, be a proxy or, or be uh, be in the neighborhood of the Colts. The Colts are going to Pittsburgh. There's still half the season left to go here. But keep your eye on the prize, Chiefs and everybody else. You want to get one of those top two seats. It's not good enough. Unless you're a low expectation having franchise like the Bills, if they get the 10 wins and they get a wild card, you know, ticker tape parade in Buffalo. They don't have to do anything but get to the postseason this year, and their fan base will be happy. You're the Chiefs. You need to get one of those top two seeds. You must get Mahomes in there sooner rather than later, and you need to vanquish these Vikings, and all is well for the second half of the year. Yeah, I I don't mean to cut you off, Gabe. I was actually just looking this up. Uh, since 2015 in the AFC, to get to uh, clinch a, a top two seed, you need about 12.3 wins, so between 12 and 13. Chiefs have to go 7-1. and one presumably to get there to uh to clinch a bye but this isn't a normal year and it could be 10 wins might do it just the way the divisions shake out so what you're getting at here is if Patrick Mahomes injury to his knee is not a surgery requiring injury it's not it's always just going to be a comfort sort of stability type of issue that means that it's just rest and hope you feel better what you're what you're getting at and I by the way I agree with this premise our friend Jeff Schwartz would take the other side of this uh Essentially, it's rest now or rest in the first round of the playoffs, because if you win this game, then you have a whole lot of wins ahead of you and you can rest when you need it and play the odds. But if you rest 
now you're probably playing that first round of the playoffs, and that's a really hard stretch for a quarterback who's got a bad knee. Well, I, and that's right. And also, you can say, yeah, 10 wins, whatever that wins that division. But again, in the chase for one of those top two seats, again, the Patriots are going to be the number They're one. one. Spoiler alert, that's pretty much set in stone. The Colts are in a division where they're pretty close. The Titans are coming on, and I will not be surprised. In fact, put it at a six for me right now that the Titans wind up getting the sixth seed in the AFC. Whoa. I think they're quietly they have they have they're they're built to dominate at the lines of scrimmage. And I, I think that Derrick Henry, who is a second half of the season kind of player, he's a he has yet to emerge this year. He's about to turn it on, I bet you. Ryan Tannehill is a tick better than Marcus Mariota. They have a gaggle of good pass catchers. I think and and all that said, they should have lost to the Buccaneers. They deserve to lose that game. But I wouldn't be surprised if they sneak in there. But anyway, the Colts should fall back because the Titans and the Texans can beat them in a shootout. And the Jags, by the way, are also a factor now in that division. It's pretty even there. Like I say, the Ravens are going to fall back a little bit. So I think there's a chance for the, the Chiefs to to still get the number two seed here. But it's got to start now. The, uh, losing... Um, another game. Keep in mind, it's weird that they've now lost three games in Arrowhead. That's, I mean, that's hard to, um, I, I obviously don't know the history off the top of my head, but how many teams get a top two seed in their conference losing as many as three home games? They don't want it to fall to four in Arrowhead because obviously your record is not going to be as good on the road. Um, and so there's probably a loss buried somewhere in there in the second half of the season against the team you don't expect it to come against. Um, but let's talk MVP, and then this will lead us into – I want to talk MVP of the league here at the halfway mark of the season, and then we'll uh, divvy it up a little bit. We'll carve it up with the with the help of our pals here at The Athletic, all of whom cover team-specific and many of whom host podcasts here on The Athletic. And we'll do MVP for the divisions at the halfway point and who will finish as the MVP of the division. But let's go a little more global um, on our end here. I think right now it's got to be Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers with a dynamite, uh, you know, a couple of those splashy, iconic type uh, Aaron Rodgers throws in Arrowhead had to be vexing for Patrick Mahomes to be on the sideline watching those and for a fan. Man, what if they would have traded back and forth some of those sidearm crazy throws? But anyhow, Aaron Rodgers is is 1A, but Russell Wilson, the body of work, the lesser talent surrounding him, all that. I think Russell Wilson, and by the way, just the one pick so far this year, the better QB rating, better completion percentage, all that stuff. But you know who deserves a little more buzz? And Lamar Jackson's in the mix, too. Um the guy who deserves some buzz, just uh, you know, just for the story, just for the spirit of it, in a year where so many backups are carrying the day, or at least helping their team survive until the um, till their star comes back under center. How about Jacoby Brissett? Jacoby Brissett has this team at four and two, and the signature play of the season so far for the Colts is you know one of the great pass rushers of the millennium, Von Miller. It the Broncos had the Colts beaten. And in the waning moments of the game, Von Miller has him dead to rights in the end zone, a safety to wrap the game up. Brissett runs away from that. He shakes it off, running hard to his right, throws a deep ball to T.Y. Hilton, saves the drive, ends up with the game-winning field goal. And, you know, 4-2 and two in a tight division, that may end up being the margin in that division. And like I say, 
let's just remember where the season started. Or, in fact, let's remember two weeks before the season started. Andrew Luck, who was the storyline, was, well, the Patriots are going to be good, and the Steelers and Ravens will battle it out in the north, and one of those teams will emerge, and maybe the Browns. And then the Colts maybe are your Super Bowl contender, and the and the Chiefs are going to be dominant. Those were your AFC the the heavyweights coming into the thing. Then Andrew Luck retires. Frank Reich, Chris Ballard don't bat an eye. It's almost disconcerting how breezy they were. Like, hey, you guys know your jobs are in pro football. This is, you're not, uh, you know, humanitarians. They were a little bit too. In my book, I thought you're not outraged. You're not. Uh, your heads aren't spinning. They're kind of like, yeah, no, we're we're good with Jacoby. And now you see why. Um, or, by the way, at least they put a good face on the thing. They didn't panic, and you always hear about that, and uh, then the, the ranks will uh, will follow your lead. So good for Frank Reich, who, by the way, is perhaps your coach of the year um, upcoming based on what he's done. But Jacoby Brissett is you know a little bit better than middle of the pack. But based on, like I say, where this story began for the Colts, the situation he suddenly was thrust into, and the fact that they're 4-2, big game coming up, in Pittsburgh, if he can vanquish Mason Rudolph and company um, this weekend, they're going to be in really good in really good shape um, for the second half of the season. Even in the AFC South, which, like I say, is pretty tightly packed together, they still have the best line in the division, and they have the best defense in the division, and maybe um, this side of the Patriots, the best division, the the best defense in the whole conference. And so, I know it's not Jacoby Brissett doing it alone. But again, I love the story. I love the spot that he suddenly was thrust into, and so far he's thriving in it. I think you. I think you even cheated them a win. I think you gave them four and two when they're five and two, and that's probably because. Oh, I keep saying four and I two. Think, yeah, I think you might have. I said it at least twice. But yes. I'm only, and I'm only even bothering to correct it to say that they haven't won a game by more than a touchdown. Right. So every game has been a one-score game with them, which either tells you. They're brilliantly coached, and their quarterback should be an MVP candidate because he's figuring out a way to win these games late. You could make those arguments. Or, like, this team's actually not that good, and the second half of the season is going to reveal it. But in either scenario, Jacoby Brissett obviously belongs on the longer list of MVP candidates. Well, yeah, I mean, he's got to replace... at least Patrick Mahomes at this point. I mean, he, you know, he did yeah. beat Mahomes got hurt in that game, but they still did beat them head to head and them them just grinding it out. I mean, that I'd have nightmares if I were a Chiefs fan that that is going to be your demise one way or the other is somebody in January is going to do that to you again. Somebody's just going to run the ball at you again and again and again. And again, that's why you better put um Mahomes in there this week because I'm expecting something close to a shootout this week with Dalvin Cook. There's no indication that they're going to be able to stop anybody from running the ball, the Chiefs. So you better get your uh, your all-world QB out there to try and outscore Kirk Cousins in that offense at this point. Well, you mentioned Brissett. Um, and you mentioned the guys at the athletics. So Zuri put together another one of our little whippers. Ah. Did we come up with a name for when we do this? I, I don't remember. Right, uh, now, right now we have digital roundtable, but I think maybe we can plus that up. No, bit. no, no. Plus that up. That's great. I don't know how we could beat that. <laughs> digital roundtable. It's not wrong. Okay. Uh, well, we, we checked in with e- a person from each division. 
We did, yeah. Uh, we asked them the following question. Uh, we asked, uh, who is the MVP of your the, of the division that you cover for the first half, and who will be the MVP of that division for the second half? We've got a ton of answers. We can go through um, we can go through each division now. Uh, but before we get started, I just want to say, great job on your pool this week, Dave. Yeah. You, you only missed on three picks. You missed on... I missed three. Yeah. I guaranteed I'd run the table. Oh. And I, I would give myself the asterisk, because Gabe and you and Cam sat here last week and talked me into the Jets. We did. Which was a terrible mistake. So there's two on you. What were the two that he missed that weren't our fault? <laughs> well, he missed on the Jets. We covered that. Yeah. Uh, missed on the Bears and missed on the Broncos. Oh, Broncos again getting you. Ah! Yeah. We fell right into it. What a savvy and pick the Bronx would have been. That would have been the best. Again, real close, yeah. And Nagy really... Really, act. you you kind of won that. I did. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it. I, I did it. I did it, everybody. That should count for you. So really, it's, it's just crazy. the The, the Jets are Gabe's fault. <laughs> yeah. The other two were coaches' mistakes yeah. and whatever, hooey and applesauce. I'm with Joe Flacco all the way. The Broncos <laughs> the Broncos coaches took their foot off the gas or right. else Damashek would have been one closer. It's kind of like an undefeated week. We'll, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll look back at it later. But um, I it, don't remember if the margins that I laid out for you, if I was close on those. I'll go back and dig those up. Yeah. But we haven't the time to bother with it right now. Let's get to our pals at The Athletic. Who's up first? What division MVP are we talking about Yeah, first? let's start with the AFC South, and we're going to have our Colts pod here. We're going to start with Zach Kiefer of the 1% Better podcast, and he's going to give us his pick Zach Kiefer on the athletic a dynamite piece about Chris Ballard uh, and the misses make sure you check that one out ASA MP all right let's uh, hear the less important stuff about who the MVP is right now this is Zach Kiefer from 1% Better where I cover the Indianapolis Colts talking the AFC South MVP through the halfway point of the season this is an easy one the answer is Deshaun Watson the Houston Texans quarterback he has been phenomenal and he should be right there in the MVP race for the entire league uh, moving ahead to the second half of the season, I think he's going to get some competition. I think that comes from Jacoby Brissett, the Indianapolis Colts quarterback. Brissett's been terrific filling in for Andrew Luck, who retired 15 days before the season opener. This is not an easy thing to do to step in for a franchise quarterback. The Colts are 5-2, and two, and Jacoby Brissett's a big reason why. If you want one play, look up the play he made against Vaughn Miller Sunday in that win against the Broncos. Brissett has 14 touchdowns to go with three interceptions so far at the halfway point, but I'm still going with Watson for the whole season. I don't think there's a better player in this division. He's got 16 touchdowns, five interceptions, literally carrying that Texans team week in, week out, taking too many hits along the way, but he is doing some remarkable stuff at the quarterback spot. So my AFC South MVP at the halfway points, Deshaun Watson. My AFC South MVP at the end of the season is Deshaun Watson. Good stuff from Kiefer there, and you're not going to get much of an argument from me. I, I Again, who's the offensive player of the division? I guess Deshaun Watson in the MVP to this point, too. But I think if the Colts end up holding on and taking that division, uh, Deshaun will be a, a victim of the overall team structure. They made the move to get Laramie Tunsil. That was a win. I think the J.J. Watt loss is going to be their demise. I don't even know if they're going to get to January. But on the plus side for Deshaun Watson, MVP and or Offensive Player of the Year candidacies, um, he should be in more shootouts, and that should inflate his numbers in the second half of the season. And by the way, New Hopkins is great. 
Um, Kenny Stills a little less so. Will Fuller when available, very good. But the offensive line is shaky, and the number one back is Carlos Hyde, so he's doing it um, with a, uh, a cupboard that's uh, not quite as full as uh, some of the other high-end MVP candidates are uh, fortunate enough to be playing with right now. Let's hear another one. Yeah, hard to argue with Deshaun there. Let's move on. We'll go to the AFC West, and let's hear from Ted Wynn of the uh, Raiders podcast, State of the Nation. I like Ted a lot on social media, by the way. Give him a follow. This is Ted Wynn, staff writer for The Athletic, and my pick for the MVP for the AFC West as of right now is Patrick Mahomes. And I know he missed about a game and a uh, game and a half because of his knee injury, but the numbers he put, he's put up, in his first seven games are just ridiculous. He, th- he threw for 15 touchdowns, one interception. Uh, his record was 5-2 and two at the time. And he was just carrying this Chiefs team who um, was just in dire need of his talents with all the injuries that they've had. Uh, so I think Matt Moore will do a okay job of, of holding the Chiefs up while he's injured. But obviously he's not Patrick Mahomes. And for the second half of the season, I think that when Mahomes does come back, he's going to play at a high level, but who knows how long he'll be out. I think he'll be back sooner than later. Uh, but if he's out for an extended uh, amount of time, I think the second runner-up is Derek Carr. Uh, I actually think Derek Carr watched him closely this season and watched him closely in 2016. He's playing at that same level that he was playing at 2016, maybe even a little better. And I know the numbers don't show it, uh, but he is completing... He's completing over 70% of his passes. He's thrown for 11 touchdowns. Um, and he doesn't have the gaudy numbers to show for it because he just doesn't have the receiving talent on the outside. And on top of that, some of his guys have been hurt too. Uh, but I think he is playing at a very high level. I think in the second half of the season, you're going to start seeing his numbers really build up and he's going to build up a solid resume. Um, so I don't know if it's enough to overthrow Patrick Mahomes, who should be in the conversation for MVP for the entire league. Uh, but... I think Carr's going to play a lot better. He's going to start entering that conversation. So those are my picks, and I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, hard to argue against uh, the Chiefs. They sit atop the division. Their best player, Patrick Mahomes. I love the shout-out to Derek Carr, though. And by the way, this is a wild card, but my man Eddie Spaghetti over at uh, NFL Media on the Dave Damashek football program pointed it out. You know, John Gruden... All summer long, punchline, they got Antonio Brown and the whole mess, the way that wound up. But what if they make, what if they, it's not inconceivable. And they showed up once again, as we suspected that they would, down in Houston on Sunday. What if they sneak into the playoffs? Derek Carr is not getting nearly enough credit. The offensive line has been much better, and Josh Jacobs is good. But again, to Ted's point, Tyrell Williams, who hasn't been available all season in the nice Darren Waller story um, that's emerged there, but they have a chance to get to the playoffs, and I don't think people will be laughing anymore about John Gruden if if that happens. And good for Derek Carr um, in a season of um, you know with with some real question marks about where he was going to be in 2020. Seems at least like he solidified. Um, his right to to stay there as the starting quarterback as they move from Oakland out to Vegas. In the second half of the season, I think it'll be Mahomes, but if there is a 1A to that, I got to give you, it would be a split division MVP. 
Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Did you see them on Sunday? What they did against the against the Bears. That's their formula for success. That was supposed to be the thing that made this team a Super Bowl contender. Obviously, we know Phil Rivers and everything, the great pass catchers that he has. But it's the defense and specifically their ability to get to the QB. Nick Bosa and company up in San Francisco getting the headline so far. But don't be surprised if Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram lead a second-half push by the Chargers um, here. Yeah, I, th- I think if if there's going to be a cool story coming out of the AFC West, it will be that Chargers push, and then it will have to be those guys or Phillip. I mean, or Keenan Allen, I mean, could come along, but you're not going to have a real conversation about Keenan Allen for MVP. But Phillip Rivers always has like one month out of the year. Sometimes it's the wrong month, and it's almost never January that is his month, but he always has a month where you're like, oh my God, this guy's the best quarterback in the league. It's coming. I, I I can't believe how many people have moved on from the Chargers. How many years do we need to see this team make that uh, perennial push um, coming down the wire in November and December? Next up. Hi, this is Zach Jackson from Civilized Barking. And like everybody else with two eyes, I vote Lamar Jackson as the AFC North first half MVP. Uh, he's been dynamite. He's been magical. Um, the Ravens have some things to clean up. Lamar has some things to clean up, but that's the scary part. He might be just getting started. So uh, we'll see what happens. And over the second half, uh, the Steelers are going to need their defense to carry their offense. The Browns have a ton of things to clean up. And I think that there's an outside, outside chance that a guy like Nick Chubb or a guy like Miles Garrett uh, becomes a division MVP. It becomes pretty clear to me that the Browns are going to start uh, or continue, I should say, to even further run their offense through Nick Chubb. But to this point, it's Lamar Jackson, and there's no doubt about it. Hey, everybody. I want to tell you about DoorDash. You got to get into this. Where where, where are you? You're in the 20th century? No, it's 2019. It's time you get with the program and get with DoorDash. Your parents don't pack your lunches anymore, but you still got to eat. Have your favorite restaurants brought to you with DoorDash. The only thing not included is the brown paper bag. You need to get in on this. Whatever food you desire, it can be at your door in no time. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. And like I say, any kind of food, whatever you want. It used to be pizza, Chinese food, and that was it. You didn't even get a third place. Now, you're only limited by your imagination. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code SHEK, S-H-E-K. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code SHEK. Don't forget, promo code SHEK, S-H-E-K, for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Yeah, I I mean, certainly at the halfway point, Lamar Jackson is the runaway MVP. Um, With Nick Chubb, yeah, they have to continue to hand him the ball. But again, this point in any NFL season, there are a million different storylines and you're kind of surprised by this guy and underwhelmed by that guy. But nobody is talking about it. It's all about Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens. No one is talking about Odell Beckham. Thank it's you. weird. This. Oh. It is weird how irrelevant Odell Beckham has been this year. And uh, myriad other concerns. But let's keep in mind, Baker Mayfield, 
all the hype, all the commercials. And by the way, how sick would you be? You ever, you ever root for a team and then there's a commercial that runs and you're like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is out for the rest of the year. Stop showing him in the real estate or in the, uh, in the insurance commercials. When your team is bad, that's even worse. If you're a Browns fan and every other commercial that, uh, that interrupts the game is a Baker Mayfield ad, it's got to make you sick. Enough with this. We can't keep having it. But um, yeah, I listen. I know it's crazy to say I'm a Steelers guy and everything. I think that the Steelers defense is capable of dominating and Minka Fitzpatrick with two picks. He could loom large Devin Bush, Cam Hayward. They are still uh, loaded at all three levels. Um, I do think that the Ravens, as it sets up at this point, are just about destined to win the division Therefore, it would be hard to go against Lamar Jackson. So I don't think we have to um, overanalyze this. And and a good shout there from Zach, too, for Miles Garrett, who is having what's now amounting to be a quiet, a, 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 a good personal season that's just kind of moot because of how the team is performing here. And yet, continue to hear buzz about the Browns. I mean, this is not a team worthy of the ongoing hype. But they're going to turn it around. Yeah, it's too late now. The Browns would have to win out to be relevant, almost. If you look at uh, how the the wild card standings are setting up, they do have the one win against the Ravens in Baltimore, and I guess that's their ray of hope is if they can sweep through the uh, the AFC North, that they still have an outside shot at, at steel in the division. Yeah, I think um, I think the answer with the commercials is just shoot a happy commercial and shoot a melancholy commercial, and then yeah. let the networks choose which one they need to run on a, on a week to week basis, but. That's a different question. Let's move on to Matt Chatham of our uh, Patriots podcast. That show is called The Razor Show, and he might have a special twist on his picks here. Well, now that the season's half over, the AFC East Division MVP is an interesting question. Let's put it this way. It's obviously got to come for the top team. That'd be the Patriots. Uh, you're going to look at this roster, and I think the answer to who's the MVP is that they don't have one, and that's why they're the position they're in. They don't have a player upon whom they're so dependent to be in the spot they're in, uh, and their balance is really what they're all about. Is this, you know, Brady's overwhelming performances that are driving them across the board and things would just be different without that most valuable player? No, that's not been the case. He's been the steady hand. He's been the leadership. He's managed a real group in flux over the course of eight games, and they played winning football behind him. But I don't know. We're not talking wins and losses changes if that changes necessarily. He's still the GOAT, but I don't know. doesn't feel right to call it an MVP. Defensively, how are you going to go Gilmore versus Collins versus McCourty versus potentially Hightower? Van Noy. I mean, there have been so many contributors. Picking one over the rest is just sort of spoils the idea of what it really, really being the most valuable player is all about. This is a team without one, and that's really why they're so good. I agree with the broad strokes. I would say, uh, in fact, not only would I say it, I am going to say it. I think Stephon Gilmore, right now there's a lot of buzz around Nick Bosa for the Defensive Player of the Year. I think Stephon Gilmore has earned a place in that conversation as good as Jamie Collins and the other guys have been. Um, Stephon Gilmore, it's getting to that Darrell Rivas kind of place where you're not going to throw in Gilmore's direction. That allows you defensively, especially a guy like Belichick, to... Um, 
to really make hay on defense and and dictates how or it gives him a freedom to do some things defensively um, that he otherwise wouldn't have. Um, so I think Gilmore is it, and I agree with Tom Brady. And I'll go one step further. Something we've talked about a little bit. Andy Dalton now the backup for the Cincinnati Bengals. What would the Patriots record be if he had been the starting quarterback? Uh, would they have lost a game this year? Maybe one, but I, probably not even one, right? I just saw a friend of mine just tweeted their stats, career stats side by side uh, up into a certain age, uh, you know, right into their prime basically. And other than when you exclude the most important things like wins and touchdown passes versus interceptions, when it's just all the other sort of ticky-tacky stats, they're identical up until the part where they be, you know, hit their prime. And so it, it answers your question, that if Andy Dalton had had the chance that Tom Brady had, it would have taken him a few years, maybe even a few more than it took Tom, but he would have gotten the rings. He absolutely would have. I think it's like, too, that uh, thing when you go to the gym and uh, you're on the treadmill and then somebody jumps on the treadmill next to you out of dignity, out of pride yeah, or whatever. You don't, you don't get off until the other person gets off. I think that's what Brady's thing is. Like, well, if I get off now, then somebody will come in here, they'll get a halfway decent QB, and the machine will keep on running, and then I will get exposed as not being that important to the dynasty on some level. And uh, I think Belichick has made it pretty clear now with his remarks that, well, I said I wasn't going to coach into my 70s way back when, but now I feel fine. I'm definitely going to do that. He's going to chase beating Don Shula's career wins record, so he's going to outlast Brady whether Brady likes it or not. Um, anyway, yeah, I think the MVP for the Patriots has to come from the defensive side of the ball as good as it's been. And by the way, all that I just said about Brady shouldn't diminish the fact that he has it's not as though he's Peyton Manning 2015 he has been he has been more than adequate this year he's just not carrying the team anymore can I can I just throw I hate giving him or Bill Belichick any extra credit you know plenty in our industry have already done that for them but I will say this doesn't it sort of make the job of a head coach easier like we're hearing all this stuff about how Bill Belichick is now calling the defensive plays and now focused on defense again for the first time in years and isn't that because he truly, the same way you could just say Revis Island and Darrell has that side of the field covered and you just don't think about it, you don't have to think about offense because you have Tom Brady running the damn thing. And imagine how good a coach could be if he didn't have to think about the hardest thing to think about in the NFL. Like, it's crazy. And we're, we're talking about the importance of some of these players, like longevity and health. It came up when we talked about J.J. Watt this week, you know, like... J.J. Watt is great. He might be the best player when he's on the field in the last 10 years, but he's not on the field, which means you have to keep solving for who's our defensive end. Eli Manning, nowhere near as great at his position, there every day for 210 Sundays. Don't have yeah. to worry about the position. Well, and it also kind of is, though, the as long as Brady's in there, and I guess it's the paradox of it is because I think they will still be good when Brady goes away. But the overall, the, the virtue of the 21st century Patriots is that they are chameleon-like. All the talk about um, style, Booger McFarlane again, watching the Steelers on Monday night. This is when they were running the ball. This is who the Steelers need to be. This is their identity is physical and all that, uh, all those empty platitudes in 2019. The Patriots 
what they have, they use. They attack the weakness of the other team. That changes week to week. And there's no better example of it out there than they lose the greatest tight end in the history of football. And their offense in 2018 runs through 87. 87 goes away. <clears throat> they barely put a tight end on the field. It's crazy right. their ability to adjust, and that's a tribute to Brady to some degree, but I think more so to Belichick. And when they had the two best tight ends in football, let's leave the off-field stuff out of the conversation, they had the two best tight ends in football, so they figured out a way to run an NFL offense with two tight ends, and they just played them at all times and had one of the best passing offenses ever. They just make whatever they have work. It really is. See? Making lemonade. All right, moving on. Well, let's move on. <laughs> let's go to the NFC. Let's go to the Giants podcast, and let's hear from uh, Dan Duggan. Uh, of this the, is an interesting one. Yeah, of the New York Football uh, Podcast. I'm going to weigh in with my first half MVP from the NFC East. It's not an easy call to make because everyone's been a little bit up and down, but I'll give the nod to Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. Uh, as I said, he's been a little inconsistent, but at the end of the day, you know, he's led the the best offense uh, in the NFC East, and they're in first place at this point. So. I'll go with Dak, but I think in the second half, Carson Wentz is going to be my pick. I think he's going to really, you know, raise his level. I think that Eagles team is going to round into form, and, and I think Wentz will, will kind of take over and lead the Eagles down uh, down the stretch, and they'll end up winning the division, and Wentz will lead them into the playoffs. It's funny. I think the Cowboys, they were my Super Bowl pick. I stand by that in a loaded NFC, they are still built, and I, I like the addition potentially of Michael Bennett, although I don't know that that marriage is going to work out. But, but you know, he is a nice piece to drop in there as many big games as he's played and as dominant as he's capable of being, especially if they limit his snaps a little bit at the, at, at uh, this age. If the Cow But I said the Eagles were going to win the division. I'll stand by that. If the Cowboys win it, I think it's Zeke Elliott because we have yet to see Zeke at his best. He has been coming on. I think he'll be even stronger in the second half of the season as they start to use him more and more as good as Dak's been and Amari Cooper looms large too in, in uh, success for the Cowboys. Um, I like the Carson Wentz pick, but again, ironically, Carson Wentz is his ability to win games. If you think about what the difference was, they still have a lousy secondary. When they won the Super Bowl, the secondary wasn't very good. The difference between 2017 and the Super Bowl and 2018 and uh, and the quicker out in the postseason was in the fourth quarters, they could just finish you by handing the ball off to Jay Ajayi and, uh, and LeGarrette Blunt. They finally have solved that now. Miles Sanders making some splash plays, but the key detail for them on offense is Jordan Howard making hay and just trucking guys in the fourth quarter and wearing down defenses. So... Carson Wentz could well end up stealing this division, rallying the team, but the reason that they will end up being able to hold on and win some games that they lost down the stretch last year is that they have come back around on the LeGarrette Blunt clone, and and his name is Jordan Howard, who I don't understand why the Bears gave away in the first place. Great player. Great to my fantasy team. I know we don't talk fantasy, but I'll throw it out there. Let's move on. You're uh, welcome to talk <laughs> fantasy, friend. Uh, he's had some big weeks this year. All right, let's go to the NFC South, and we're here, we'll hear from Jeff Duncan of the Dunk and Holder podcast, and let's hear his picks now. This is Jeff Duncan reporting on the 2019 season. New Orleans Saints MVP, the first half of the season, has to be receiver Michael Thomas. He's putting up ungodly numbers in this offense, regardless of who's been at quarterback. 
Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Brees, doesn't matter. Michael Thomas is the constant in an offense that has missed Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, and Jared Cook. Doesn't matter. Michael Thomas, 73 receptions, 875 yards, four touchdowns, on pace to set the NFL record for receptions in the season. He's been the consistent threat in this offense when there hasn't been a lot of other consistency on that side of the ball. The second half of the season, I'm not going to overthink it. It's going to be Drew Brees. The Saints' schedule gets much more user-friendly in the second half, and I think Drew Brees is going to put up some big-time numbers. The performance we saw out of him in his first game back after having that thumb surgery, 373 passing yards, I think shows that he's back to being the old Drew Brees, and that should be a scary thought for opposing defenses as he goes into the second half of the season. So Michael Thomas and Drew Brees for the New Orleans Saints in 2019. Yeah, so, okay, so he went Saints-specific, and yeah. given um, the one loss for the Saints, um, obviously you're going to probably look at somebody from the Saints if you go uh, across the division. I think Christian McCaffrey's hard to argue with. Kyle Allen, Cam Newton, um, a good defense, but not a dominant defense in Carolina, and yet that team sits at 4-3. and three. That's primarily owed to Christian McCaffrey, who has been the singular figure for the Panthers, whereas it's been a mix of Teddy B and Kamara and Latavius Murray and a very good offensive line and a high-end defense in New Orleans. I think Christian McCaffrey, like I say, is the singular figure for why the Panthers are relevant right now. Um, so I would go with McCaffrey actually in the division in the second half. I think when Cam Newton gets back, I think, the, by the way, it's got to be really upsetting to number one to look at where NFL offenses are in 2019 and the jet sweep and uh, and the hybrid nature of so many players out there. It is tailor-made. This brand of ball is tailor-made for Cam Newton, and this is the year that he's down with injury. It's a shame, but I hope in the second half of the season for, uh, for football fans that we'll see him at full speed because I think that with DJ Moore – and Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, that could be a scary team. You just wonder if they can get there and still be in the playoff chase when that when number one gets back out on the field. That's interesting. I didn't. I never thought about that with Cam Newton. That he's sort of he's like the friendster to Facebook. Like he's just <laughs> he had the he's right. It's the right thing, just at the wrong time. That if he'd been drafted a few years later, he'd be the best quarterback he's, we'd ever seen. He's still only thirty. And the cynics' uh, opinions notwithstanding, he is going to the Hall of Fame. He is not Ben Roethlisberger or Phil Rivers at 38. And is it time to consider trying to move on from him? He's coming up on a big deal. And if the Panthers are foolish enough to go into the great abyss, he will pay off for the Chicago Bears or the Las Vegas Raiders, or someone like that. Or, I don't know, Denver Broncos, where he would have wound up had Andrew Luck come out in the 2011 draft when he was eligible. He would have gone to Carolina. Cam would have landed a mile high. Who knows uh, how different the NFL landscape would be. I like playing the what-if game. Yeah. Next up. Would have flipped that Super Bowl around. Um, Let's move to the NFC West, and let's hear from Michael Sean Duger. Uh, of the Seahawks podcast, and that podcast is Seahawks Man to Man. With the regular season halfway over, I think my first half MVP in the NFC West is it's going to be a surprising pick, but I'm going to go with defensive end Nick Bosa from the San Francisco 49ers. You know, his team is undefeated, and Nick is just 
been an absolute monster, you know. And he's actually played fewer games uh, than some of the other people in his division who have, you know, similar numbers. You know, seven sacks in seven games, 11 tackles for loss. He just destroyed the Carolina Panthers the other day. 25 quarterback pressures. You know, I think that's the highest in the NFC West. Uh, 13 quarterback hits the highest in the NFC West. I mean, his tackles for loss are the highest in the NFC West, and he's playing on the best defense in the division by far. Uh, so I think I would go with Nick. Uh, you know, it's hard to not choose Russell Wilson, but with the way that defense ha- has looked and the way Bosa has just been really dominant really early in his career, obviously I think that's uh, been really impressive. Uh, going forward, though, in the final half of the season, I think I'm going to go with Russell Wilson uh, for NFC West MVP and perhaps even league MVP because I think Seattle's only going to get better uh, in the second half of the season. And I think Russ is going to have a lot to do with that. Uh, Russ has obviously been great. And I think he's got 20 total touchdowns, uh, completing 7% of his passes with only one turnover. Uh, and that's the the pick six, obviously, through against Baltimore. Uh, I mean, that dude's a monster, too. 17 touchdowns in one pick is a <laughs> it's a great way to start the season through eight games. And I think he's only going to just really turn up the heat as the competition, you know, gets better. I think Russ is only going to get better as well. So first half MVP, Nick Bosa. Second half, Russell Wilson. Clowney's capable, capable of being a force. If he and Ziggy Ansa can get into a run where they're on the field consistently together, that will help Russell Wilson in that offense, obviously. I hail the pick of, uh, of a rival, though, in Nick Bosa. That's a great call. I still, though, ultimately do have to go Russell Wilson because brand name Seattle Seahawks, Legion of Boom and all that, the defense is not especially good. Russell Wilson is keeping that team not just afloat. I mean, they lose Doug Baldwin, their best receiver for many moons. The offense hasn't skipped a beat there. The offensive line better, but now Justin Britt down. The defense not as good as it was when they were making Super Bowl runs there. And, and uh, you know, like we say, you know, 17 touchdowns, one pick, best passer rating in the biz, so on and so forth. I go Russell Wilson by a whisker over Nick Bosa um, because I think that part of it at least is owed to Nick Bosa is is a dominant force, no question. But if you start doubling up, and they already are, trying to slow down Nick Bosa, that's going to free up uh, the other three pieces on the defensive front. And uh, all those guys are... are, gonna gonna feast if they take Nick Bosa out of things so anyway Russell Wilson again riding on the notion of who is the singular figure for his team winning and winning versus losing I'll go with Russell Wilson over Nick Bosa I dig it and then this week we got Niners Cardinals so we'll get Kyler Murray versus Bosa one versus two fun see what happens there all right let's move on and let's hear from Chad Graff and our Vikings podcast For as well as Kirk Cousins has played this season, I think the NFC North MVP so far is Aaron Rodgers. Amid questions about whether Rodgers' play was declining and whether he could handle a new coach, Rodgers has delivered some great performances that have helped the Packers reach the top spot in the division at the halfway point of the season. However, at the risk of sounding a bit like a homer, I think the Vikings are a slightly better team than the Packers, and I think that will show in the second half. What offensive coordinator Kevin Stavansky has done here has been remarkable. He has Kirk Cousins playing the best football of his career. Kirk Cousins leads the NFL in yards per attempt right now at 9.3. So my second half prediction is that the Vikings will win the division, and as crazy as it may sound, Cousins is the division's second half MVP, and for a bonus prediction, 
Kirk Cousins finishes in the top five of NFL MVP voting. I like uh, I like where his head's at there. I will say I think it's Dalvin Cook is what has changed things and liberated those pass catchers to get back on track, all the belly aching and everything else. But Dalvin Cook has kind of carried the day since week one and now has allowed for Kirk Cousins um, to uh, to have a less crowded line of sight as everybody is trying to focus in on stopping Dalvin Cook. I think Aaron Rodgers has had the better season to this point. I think statistically and otherwise he has. The big thing for the Packers is I think they wind up with the number one seed, go through the second half of their schedule. I don't see more than two losses the rest of the way for the Packers. They do visit Minnesota, so that may end up coming to fruition that the Vikes can take the North with a win there, but they need uh, before then to make a whole lot of hay with a much tougher slate than what the Packers have remaining here. Um, I'll go Aaron Rodgers first half MVP. Yeah, I don't know. The defense is really, yeah, Aaron Rodgers because of what he's done the last couple of weeks with the lousy. I mean, he has free agent pickups all over the place. His one, you know, high-end pass catcher, Devontae Adams, hasn't played in a month, and uh, the Packers keep on ticking. I was going to say Dalvin Cook, but I'll, I'll stick with Aaron Rodgers, and I'll say he continues to be the division MVP the rest of the way. Remember you brought up the, the – uh treadmill analogy earlier the guy on the treadmill at like 12 percent incline doing a 12.5 miles per hour next to tom brady is aaron Rodgers. they know about each other and i don't think and and let's throw drew Brees in he's a couple down the way you know and he's also running pretty fast i think they're all aware of each other and i think they all want to be the last one of this year to win a super bowl and I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to let his foot off the gas for the whole season. And I wondered on this show, I wondered if he and the coach would get along or if he'd just gobble the coach up. doesn't seem like an issue. It seems like I missed that one. So I, I don't know, man. I, as I watch them, I get more and more convinced they, they might be the best team in the whole NFL. Well, it's because, and from week one on, when they, when they vanquished the Bears at the very start of the season – you could see that the defense was superior. They have the best secondary in the NFL when healthy. They're now getting a pass rush from the Smith boys. Um, and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are making hay. And they, do, again, do not have one of the five best or six or seven best. I don't know. I don't want to uh, be too cavalier about top five wide receiver. But say top seven at worst. Devontae Adams hasn't played in a month. So they're going to get him back and then look out. He got, and they can grind you on the ground, and that's everything come January. I dig it. All right, guys, we heard from a lot of experts around the NFL at the Athletic. Uh, how do we like hearing all those voices? I love it. It's great fun. Me too. What do you think, Gabe? Yeah, I was enjoying it. I'm uh, I'm going to check out a few more of their shows. Now I see, uh, I oh, see yeah. what these guys are bringing. I want to say that uh, Matt Chatham sounds like Trey Wingo, who just spent a whole day at a Jimmy Buffett concert. <laughs> Just a nice, chilled-out Trey Wingo sound to him. <laughs> Everything goes back to uh, Jimmy Buffett I concert to, with yeah. Gabe. Um, all right, good stuff, Zuri. Uh, thanks for collecting all that sound from our colleagues, and thanks to all of the voices you just heard there. Great stuff, insightful stuff. I continue to say um, that nobody understands. Yes, from a national perspective, but nobody gets what's going on more than the people that are in the locker room bouncing off of those players and those teams on a daily basis, and that's the virtue of the athletic and uh, our ability to tap into all those voices. Make sure you check out all their podcasts. Thanks for listening to Football Fact Check this week. Again, this is our free one. 
uh, we'll do on Wednesday. We'll do our confidence pool all the week nine games. Make sure you check that one out. And make sure you get in on our weekly confidence pool. We do hand out, you know, T-shirts and stuff like that. And also you get the, you know, the the knowledge that you almost vanquished Amashek, which you couldn't have done this week because I went undefeated, as I think we all agree. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Gabe. Thank you, Zuri. And uh, we'll be back with more Who in Applesauce for you later on. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.